0: this is one of the very nice things about chanting the refuges over and over again. in a situation like this actually is it for me at least sometimes then I can feel them deeply in the body, even down to the feet, touch of the floor, like refuges going down into the earth and spreading out into our area and around the world, like a whole world of of refuge and really like radiating into the body and outwards, and you know, to be able to feel and sense and experience many different facets uh, of, of the refuges through chanting uh, them in a very simple way and repeatedly, like this.
1: Namo Bhagavato arahato, samma, samphothasa, namo thasa, pagga arahato man some namo.
0: So I feel like speaking on Dhamma is a very high order today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because uh, in the Buddha's teaching we're asked not to speak unless we can improve on the silence. And I feel like the silence in this room as we're quiet just before this is so peaceful, so sublime, so beautiful, so excellent. deeply treasure uh, the ambiance of silence and stillness and real depth and dedication of practice that's just growing and growing in this space here of our uh, Tamadrini Bhikkhuni's Monastery, Bhikkhuni Aramaya, here at the western foot of Sonoma Mountain uh, in Pengrove near the pacific coast, pacific ocean. Um, So I had thought that I would like to share something of the uh, inspiration from uh, the time, the four months that I've been away which has been a time that's been, I think, very rich in uh, Dharma inspiration and experiences. Uh, first, I'd like to say how wonderful it's been coming from such a rich time out in the world, uh, the perception of the United States is, um, I'd say to many people, one of a uh, uh, challenge, concern, <coughs> uh, sense of, uh, of difficulty or upset. Uh, and, you know, there's a, a sense of humanity uh, collectively, growing over time and improving upon things. And yet, I've heard people also call this into question and see how it's possible if particular things are not well seen or well heard, not well cared for or well attended for kilesas that uh, some people thought uh, had been overcome uh, to rise again. I reflect that this is something that uh, the late, most venerable Ayakema was one of the first Western women to become a bhikkhuni uh, in our tradition, now 30 years ago, here in California. Although she had become a nun in Sri Lanka and was a teacher internationally, uh, that this is something that she reminded about again and again. She studied meditation with a very uh, extremely eminent uh, meditation teacher, uh, the late, most venerable Matara Jnana Rama, uh who is the founding teacher and preceptor of Mitrigale, uh, Hermitage or meditation uh, center uh, in Sri Lanka that at that time had the reputation that you better beware if you walk through the doors, because uh, no one gets out, not no one gets out alive, but no one gets out without becoming a stream-enter. <laughs> uh, they had quite, quite a strong reputation at that time. Uh, and Ayakema had the great blessing and good fortune to be able to study meditation uh, with that teacher. And then she developed ways of sharing that teaching out uh, that were actually really effective and beneficial uh, internationally. And people would come from their lives amidst things and uh, Um, for one reason or another and join up for a retreat. And then in that time of the retreat, seven or ten days, they would gain some realization. They would realize something. They would gain some benefits in the Dhamma that they knew they had a shift of view, shift of perspective, and they could understand and know for themselves that this... Was for life. That this was going to deep enough of a shift that this would last for the rest of their life. That this was something good that they had gained. That uh, they felt they would not not be able to lose. However, uh, Ayakema would mention again and again. Uh, she would exhort that this may be true in one way but in another way for so much of the the good feelings that you're experiencing now and, and what that is for so much of it. If you don't find how to integrate it, if you're not really determined in finding ways to to keep, you know, to put these things down deep and how to bring them into the different forms of your life, you're going to lose momentum and you're going to feel the pain of loss. What you have gained, you, you won't be able to keep all of it. You may be able to keep that realization, but the wonderful things that came with it and that that sense like of the Dhamma wheel turning and of visibly being able to see it turning in one's life um, that that won't necessarily keep up at the same speed if there isn't continued cultivation or like if you were driving a car your wheels won't keep turning uh, if you if you take your foot off the gas. Then, unless you're just going downhill, which will be the case for a very few people, but in this case it's not a bad thing to be going downhill. A few people, their karmic time, their karmic trajectory will be that from there it's all downhill. They can just take their foot off the gas and they just coast into the clear, clear sailing like this. But she mentioned again and again Uh, that for the majority, it's going to be needed to apply nutriment and to apply the effort uh, in one's practice uh, over and over again with regards to the gas, with regards to the brakes also for the things that may uh, cause uh, one to go uh, like the things that are good to put the brakes on. Uh, Be really diligent in applying that realization to the things and understanding and working with where internally inside oneself, especially for one's habits, especially for one's states of mind, especially for what emotional patterns one engages in, especially in what thought patterns one engages in, to really be conscious about... uh, knowing when to put the gas, when to put the brakes, and how to use the steering wheel <laughs> uh, in this case. And to really feel like, okay, now you have vision of this wheel, now you've seen it turning. If you've understood the basic pattern, then, you know, if if you're the driver, having having now got it, this is how this works, then you shouldn't just, like, Take your take your hands off the wheel, take your feet off the pedals and be like let it pull, let it go wherever it goes, crash, crash, turn, turn, whatever. whatever just whatever whatever way the world pulls it, whatever way the habits pull it, whatever way the tendencies that are already there will pull it. So she gave a big heads up heads up about that. I feel like this is very important to reflect upon for all of us who have been in retreat time now, because there's real wisdom here, whether we've been in retreat uh, or not. But I think for many of us, you know, we've had some realization about things. We've gained some clarity at some time. We've experienced the real, the good and wonderful feelings and states of mind that can uh, come from this path. So very good to make this kind of intention and uh, have this kind of resolve, this kind of determination uh, at uh, a time like this. But it can really be picked up and seen and known and made good with actually at any time. One doesn't have to be emerging from retreat. Uh, to understand the truth and the value of this. In fact, it's a it's a teaching, it's a knowledge, it's a perspective and a view that's actually good and helpful whenever uh, we open our eyes to see it. we remember and recollect and we realize how true how important uh, this is. And really we you know we have some basic, Understanding and skill in in these things. It's really just a matter of recollecting and then furthering that, developing it, seeing how to apply it, recollecting it again and again. I have the wheel in my hands. Uh, My body, my feelings, my mind are in touch with the gas, in touch with the brakes. (laughs) Let me be mindful in how I apply them. Let me remember, let me recollect, let me be mindful in this regard. So, when I left here uh, nearly five months ago, uh, I didn't have the plan at that time to be away for so long. First, there was the plan to go to New Zealand for a session of the Bikwani Vibanga Project. And then, just because of there being a stopover, uh, along the way in Australia, then I was invited to visit our monasteries in Australia, and both the, first on the east coast, uh, Santi Forest Monastery in the Southern Highlands, and then on the west coast, uh, Damasara Monastery in Western Australia, outside of Perth. And then when I went to Damasara, then also. Uh, I was invited uh, for uh, a trip in the midst uh, to Sri Lanka. Now, uh, my preceptor and a number of my teachers have been from Sri Lanka. Uh, Sri Lanka has given uh, great credit in the revival of the Theravada, Bhikkhuni and. As one of the places, first international places that we know for it to be, uh, our Bhikkhuni Sankhya to be founded, or amongst the first places, from a long time ago, third century before the Common Era. And being a Bhikkhuni historian, or her historian, mm-hmm. I had heard stories. <laughs> Seen pictures and even felt a deep sense of karmic affinity in myself. Uh, just when hearing the names of some of the places in Sri Lanka, kind of chills over the body or tingling on the hair or that kind of thing, uh, a peculiar sensation when hearing about Anuradhapura or Rohana and uh, even Mitrigale, that place that I had mentioned earlier on where I came as meditation teacher, Venerable Nyanarama, was uh, the founding uh, teacher and preceptor uh, for those places. Uh, And yet, I don't want to be too much involved in striving, seeking, grasping and clinging I thought, if there's an opportunity in this lifetime uh, to go, if the conditions are supportive, then I would be happy to go at some time. And my 20-year bhikkhuni anniversary and uh, 30-year anniversary in monastic life, then I had this opportunity to go ostensibly for medical treatment. It's not that I didn't do the medical treatment, I certainly did. Uh, and I'm very glad to have done so. It's been of uh, good benefit. Uh, and also, uh, when I arrived, we met with the doctor. And then there was the plan laid out for two courses of treatment. And also, uh, between the two courses, it's good to have a break. Uh, So uh, the the doctor suggested that that would be a good time for pilgrimage, Mm. uh, for us to be able to go to some of these ancient places, ancient sites that I had strong affinities with. Uh, Also, uh, I had thought, if I ever have the chance to go to Sri Lanka, there's one teacher in this world, one master in the Buddhist traditions who I haven't met yet, whose teaching I very much appreciated uh, over the years. In fact, this teacher's 33 Nibbana sermons. As we jana might remember uh, our first or our second Vasa at the old temporary Dhamadrini Vihara. I wanted to listen to tape recordings of the 33 Nibbana sermons even in Singhala, which I don't know.
1: <laughs> but I just
0: felt like there was some kind of special mood, special ambiance, something that I could hear even in the t- vocal timbre. The vocal timbre. Is that the right word? Yeah. Like I could hear or feel something in there. You know, then then uh, he translated into English, and with Venerable Bhikkhu Analayo's uh, work together on that. And so the 33 Nibbana sermons have been published. And In the last five years, during my own personal retreat time at Aranya Bodhi, uh, our awakening forest hermitage, uh, When I had my own silent, secluded retreat time. Many times in my own personal retreat time, in the evening, I would have a time of dhamma reading, dhamma reflection, uh, between my day of meditation and moving into my night of meditation. And I would have a time of dhamma reading and uh, dhamma reflection. And uh, even, I managed to get the 33 Nibbana sermons someone had uh, gifted us with an iPod. Mm-hmm. So I could charge the iPod by the third solar charger. <laughs> uh, and then in the evening, uh, try to read, uh, while I could still read such small things, not anymore, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I would read the 33 Nibbana sermons and reflect uh, upon them. So... I mentioned there's one teacher. I wanted to find out if it's possible to visit this teacher. And thanks to some of our friends, in fact friends who are offering, who hope to offer the katina, the robe of merit, uh, at the end of this year's vasa coming up, our friends Mahen and Sepali, Uh, then uh, due to some uh, family connections, then they were able to uh, share with me information about the uh, Aranya Sena. that's the forest, very simple forest hermitage where this master had retired. And so, uh, then the very beginning time of my time in Sri Lanka, then, you no, know, I, uh, Venerable Bikuni Karunika asked me, what is my bucket list? So I I had to learn what is a bucket list. It wasn't completely intuitive what a bucket list meant. It means the things you want to chuck, or what does it mean? (laughs) What you you want to throw out? What you want (laughs) to get rid of? Why is it it a bucket list? I don't know. So it's before you kick the bucket. Before you you kick the bucket, I see. Exactly. So that was her thought too. It's like, who knows how this treatment's going to go? The doctor had warned that, the, uh, especially the second course of treatment, was going to be really intensive, and not not sure how it would go. So she she wanted to know priorities. So that basically, and even sent a letter to our community, like please think about ayatata Loka as dead during this time, as if she's passed away, <laughs> because of this kind of thing. Uh, uh, so. Um, anyhow, she wanted priorities, and for me, uh, actually one of my pro- priorities then in terms of opportunities other than just the opportunity to be able to practice each day was I hoped if there were the opportunity, uh, I felt there's one there's one master who I've known about. Uh, who if I have the chance to see and just to bow and express my gratitude for the sharing of Dhamma that really somehow seems so encouraging to me and like coming through very clearly with a lot of courage and a lot of integrity and uh, you know so much appreciation there so I, uh, I asked if that, if that could be first. Over all these other beautiful historical places and, and this kind of thing, so that uh, that was made a priority, and, and there was support, and arrangements were able to be made. Although this master is very old now, something of an exile, very much a hermit um, at this point, uh, and with ninety-five uh, percent obstruction with COPD. Mm-hmm. Um, which means for being able to breathe, not to mention being able to speak or to move or to walk or all these things difficult at this point, so even you know they mentioned uh that you know it's really we we don't know how long he's going to last <laughs> see, you know, please call some days he's just not up for it at all, and uh you know, check, and we'll see when there's a day that seems like it's possible, then, you know, let you know, and we can't guarantee anything. So there are two monks who are there, and the arrangements are, are through through them, and a very close uh, lay supporter, and it's like, you know, no, no guarantees. You may or may not have have the chance and it may even be that you're you're driving and you know this condition worsens and it just won't be possible. So only if you're willing to completely let go of any any results basically. Uh, but great, I can deal with that. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks to this practice, I'm completely up for that because, you know, I don't I don't mind. I, I mean I feel like if we're in the right place with our practice, then we might think we're going somewhere, but how we practice while we're going, or while we're coming back, or you know, just at that time? That's, I feel like that's the real you know, value in it. And you know, wherever I am, you know, whether I'm going there or not going there, that factor stays the same. So, you know, sitting or standing or walking or in this situation, that situation, the other situation, that's same, same, same. So if it's just driving there and driving back, okay. And uh, plus the doctor said, if, uh, if my back is hurt because the way is supposed to be uh, really bumpy and difficult. Need a four wheel drive and have to go up the steep hill with bumps. I'm like, oh yeah, I know that. <laughs> I'm familiar with that. No problem. And then you're going to have to walk up a steep hill that's really not flat. And yes, I understand that too. That's fine. Uh, and. And uh, like you may or may not be able to do it. and Yes, I'm also familiar with that too. And me also. And, and uh, if the doctor said, if you need fixing up afterwards, I'll 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 fix you up. <laughs> so if you make it back, right?
1: <laughs> uh, so
0: uh, all of those things seemed like yes. These are all like familiar conditions. Like, I don't really necessarily expect otherwise. Of course, sometimes things are different than that, but that, that's all thats all fine. Uh, and so we went. And it turned out to be uh, not so bad of a day. We did manage to find it. The local villagers, uh, a very rural area, kindly uh, pointed us out to the right place, and uh, uh, the car didn't break down too badly, uh, and uh, his health was good enough uh, to be able to meet us. Mm. So I felt very uh, fortunate about that. and. I would say that thing that happened with the sound, like how the Dhamma can, if, if we have the ear to hear, how the Dhamma can come even through the timbre of the voice, uh, in a way. Uh, I feel like that you know, also can happen through the eyes as well, for those who have the, the eye or the sensitivity or, or the interest. Uh, so just on seeing, I felt like, uh, kind of like when I was a child. Sometimes I imagined that there were wise old people in the woods, <laughs> and I had this kind of image in my mind of of what this this wise old old person in the woods would look like. Like something very clear, something very smooth, and. Uh, also like some kind of brightness penetrating through their eyes, like clear. The light in their eyes is clear and penetrating, this kind of thing. Uh, also like the uh, stream rocks, uh, the ones that become smooth with the stream flowing over it in the summertime. When uh, when I was a, a teenager in northeastern Washington state, I would go to walk or a ride with my horse out in the back forty, as we called it, uh, and there was an area that's just countryside, and and we'd come to this stream that had those kind of rounded rocks, and like in the summer, you know, the the light on the stream just flowing gently over the rounded rocks, and I'd just sit down there by the stream and lean with my back against the tree and just relax and and be there and look at the water. Flowing with sunshine on it over these rounded stones, and, and something very much like that. I had this kind of imagination, yeah, as if I had heard stories uh, in my in my earlier childhood about there being such beings in the forest somewhere, uh, like that. So on seeing uh, the Venerable Kadukurinde uh then I had this, uh, this kind of sense, like, uh, even though much older than me, like meeting an old friend, and kind of clarity of heart, and like deep sense of ship. Mm-hmm. It is like spiritual uh, friendship. Just deep, deep, kind of clear, uh, grounded sense uh, of this. Uh, And you know, light of the eyes, and uh, these kinds of things. Even though his health is so poor, and you know, there's just that kind of sense of sense of loving kindness and real keenness of mind. And even with the uh, obstructive pulmonary condition, also of like of real of real energy. But I mean, within, like, say, just the energy of the heart. Uh, energy of the mind, even with the body, uh, being as it is, like factors of awakening, being all, all present and a- alive. I'd say mm. something, something like that. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I hadn't hadn't thought of that part before, but now reflecting back on it, and he said to me right away, "What? You come to see me?" I'm a heretic. They call me a heretic. Do you really want to see me? Here I am staying in this heritage. You know, they've, they've thrown me out. They've said this, they've said that. Like, what? I don't care about that. He said, oh, really? Uh. And uh, I said, yes, I just want to express my gratitude. And uh, and he said, what else do you want? <laughs> Did you come to pester me with questions? And <laughs> I said, no, but I want to learn from you. Yeah. Uh, and he said, oh, <laughs> wow. you come when I'm so old <laughs> and the body is like this. <laughs> um, but then he shared his uh, Dhamma advice uh, personal dhamma advice and practice advice in brief, which I've then even uh, followed, been able to follow up with uh, over time. So I very much uh, appreciate that that opportunity. And you know, I would say the sense, even just also of of seeing, of hearing, uh, also like the the physical sense of. Now, to my mind, it just feels like what it's like when awakening is just consistently imbuing all of the senses. Uh, and that's something that's actually visible and audible and tangible. I didn't really experience anything through the nose or tongue <laughs> that I recognized. But for these other three great primary senses, uh, additional to, uh, to smell and to taste, I really felt for an acharya, uh, that is a teacher by example. Originally, acharya means teacher by example. Uh, how at such a point, really just the presence, just the being, uh, just the example, just the, the manifestation of, of the path through the five kandas is really the primary teaching. And anything else beyond that is additional. Anything else beyond that, I feel like, is you know, supplementary or... For those who are not completely able to get the primary teaching, then, uh, some in, in the form of uh, verbiage, <laughs> uh, verbal fabrications, mental fabrications, then, you know, that can be helpful. And of course, all of what we call the Buddha's teaching, the Dhamma, in general, like the Sutta Pitaka, Vinaya Pitaka, all of the Suttas, all of the discipline that's there, that's coming in the form of the verbal fabrications. And there's so much that's excellent there. And we can, somehow we can gain a sense of that courage, of that clarity, of the, the sense of awakening from that, it is, it is possible to get that somehow, even in a way sometimes between the lines. <laughs> we can we can feel it and we can sense it between the lines, as well as uh, in the, the words uh, and their meaning themselves. Uh, so I had wanted to share about that, uh, because that was one of the very uh, memorable and uh, like outstanding uh, things in in Dhamma uh, that happened whilst there, and I want to say that you know uh, my trip there was supported by the Ajahn Brahm Society of Sri Lanka. Mm. Uh, I have great uh, gratitude to them. Some of the members are also members of Ajahn Brahm Society. Uh, or the BSWA, Buddhist Society of Western Australia, in Australia, not, not all, um, many of those friends uh, have had contact with the Sri Lankan forest traditions. Some since they were very young, even via their parents or via their grandparents. Others, you know, through their own seeking, uh, through their own search for the Dhamma, And then their love for uh, those who resort to the quiet places uh, and uh, to the simple and uh, rigorous way of life uh, and really to uh, deeply contemplating and putting into practice and realizing for themselves uh, the teaching of the Buddhas. So, a number of those who are the lay friends, they have been practicing for many years. And I felt like, I, I joked about them being our guardian angels, but you know, they're, they're, they're not devas. They're living practitioners of the Dhamma, uh, many of whom have also experienced the Dhamma uh, deeply for themselves. I don't want to name any names or to embarrass anyone, but I just noticed this quality there, and I felt that this was an immense treasure. That is the treasure of good company. I really felt the blessings of the, the four, what it, what it is for there to be the four fourfold assembly of the Buddha, and to be with those uh, upasakas and upasikas as well as like this great monastic teacher who is a bhikkhu, uh, the Venerable Nyanananda Bhikkhu, uh, who I, I mentioned uh, to you, that really the, the goodness and the support and the beauty that there is in having the companionship with those who are also not monastics, Uh, who are such uh, deep and excellent uh, practitioners and this ground of mutual appreciation, mutual support, mutual upliftment, and the the real beauty and wholesomeness and virtue of that, like intact, in its uh, integrity. Now, they had mentioned to me that they felt like for the fourfold uh, sankhā, they felt it wasn't completely intact, Um, because they've been missing having bhikkhunis of this tradition. They've had teachers come from abroad uh, who are bhikkhus, Ajahn Brahm and uh, uh, also Ajahn Pramali, also Ajahn Pante Sujato, uh, and others come from abroad as well as the bhikkhus of the tradition who are uh, there uh, in Sri Lanka. Uh, the Bhikkhuni revival has largely been of the what we would call the village, or town, or city uh, traditions, uh, and uh, so for for those amongst the good people who I mentioned, some of them have had aspiration to enter into monastic life for what they felt to be their their tradition, their way, their path. Uh, they hadn't uh, seen or met. Uh, bhikkhunis uh, of that tradition before, they'd never have, had a bhikkhuni teacher uh, of that tradition uh, come uh, before or be teaching uh, within uh, Sri Lanka. Some of them had been supporters of Ayakemas long ago, but you know, she's passed away twenty years ago. And uh, the nun's island that she founded, uh, where they used to go by boat for Pindapat, that was. Kind of a pair or a partner to the uh, bhikkhus Island Hermitage uh, that has been empty for nearly 30 years now. Uh, so there was a there was a, a wish there. So for for me, I felt like uh, in a way, you know, they meeting them was so welcome to me because of uh, that sense of. Now they're really being part of the Upasaka and Upasika uh, Sankha or Sawakas, uh, really like disciples, heirs of the Buddha. Uh, and for them, uh, for for us bhikkhunis, uh, uh, even we're not so senior, even we're not so experienced uh, as uh, some of these other teachers. Uh, were so senior and so experienced in the past. Um, still, they felt like this was also something uh, special, and uh, um, mentioned as being something wished for in their life uh, that they had a lot of appreciation for. So I also just there's so much goodness in really living with and encountering and interacting. Uh, with one another in the sphere of, of appreciation and uh, of sense of mutual uh, upliftment. And I felt like that was also a very you know, wholesome and, and healthy Dhamma. Uh, not to mention then uh, living through that first encounter as well as the first course of treatment uh, going on pilgrimage, being able to visit other uh, active uh, forest hermitages, uh, and uh, also to go to these ancient places. Now, I had heard stories about. Uh, from some Buddhist monks who went to Sri Lanka and they'd heard visiting like the ancient sacred city called sacred city of Anuradhapura, like there's the, among the ancient rock seats that are there and the, the ruins of the ancient halls and you know, this old stone, very dense old stone is there, very hard stone. Uh, and you know them hearing that there was no seat that hadn't been touched by an arahanta, this kind of thing, and I, I you know, I heard that and I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, that, that's, that sounds nice, right? <laughs> uh, and yet, uh, going there, uh, and touching those stones, uh, sitting upon those stones uh, in those uh, ancient sites, sitting down there at the roots of the, the let's say, sister to this tree here. It mm-hmm. uh, has a sister that's much older uh, that uh, was the eastern branch uh, of the bo tree taken in the third century before the common era to Sri Lanka and planted. That tree is still alive there. We went to meditate at the the roots of that tree which was lovingly cared for by the Bhikkhuni Sankha for a long time, um, brought by Sankhamita Terry, one of our uh, great awakened Bhikkhuni foremothers from India to to Sri Lanka. At that time they weren't using Buddha images, Mm -hmm. but the tree itself Mm -hmm. as a memorial of the site of of awakening, um, symbol of awakening. Uh, was was there. Uh, so that was a, a primary memorial place for the ancient, ancient Buddhists, and I felt like there was a very uh, kind of peculiar experience. I don't know if you may have ever had it or not. I never quite had it like this before in my whole life. Uh, you know how when you come into this hall, how you can feel the ambiance in here? It's almost like the stones of the floor and like the walls somehow, as well as the air and the space are actually holding that ambiance, just as we do within our human bodies. I feel like even in the air, but air circulates so quickly. And sometimes even within water, like in Thai tradition, sometimes with chanting, make blessing water, and then sprinkle everyone, you feel like, oh, even in because of those water, there's the feeling of the Dhamma and the loving-kindness that's there. Uh, like this, so, like air element, water element. Uh, I feel like the in the earth element, because it moves more slowly, because it changes more slowly, especially stone, clay, rock, uh, sometimes these kinds of the, the patterns, sometimes it can be, can be held and then radiated out for a longer period of time. So going to some of these ancient caves and meditation rocks and uh, uh, these ancient sites where they um, made the things out of this very heavy hard stone that's uh, held up for a long period of time and, and sitting there no, we had we had it was a meditation pilgrimage. So every day where we went, then we were looking for where's where, is, where are our meditation places um, Where is our morning meditation stop in place? Where is our afternoon meditation stop? Where is our evening meditation place? Like this, uh, which was wonderful. And I'd say uh, sitting on those stones, you know, something of that ambiance for who is attentive even like coming into this place, just coming into the silence here, and just feeling uh, in the body the ambiance that's there. I felt like there was the way in which wordless dhamma would, you know, in rising through the body and coming to mind, would even, even become like recognized by the body and mind, and even come into words that are not the words of the suttas per se, but very much in line with living Dhammas. It's like just just for those moments, just for that time, just the teaching is just right for that time. I felt like, ah, this is the blessing of just being attentive, in touch, in tune, interested to see, to know, to feel, and, uh, and the, uh, the, the recording, whether, you know, the... Uh, the the ambiance that's there uh, in these places uh, it was a very uh, peculiar experience that I felt of uh, much, much benefit. Not that we necessarily need to go to such places to experience this. This is, I think, one of the things that many times people realize when they realize something. It's yes, like they, maybe they went far and wide, or it took many years, they did many things to try to be able to find, to see, to know, to realize, and yet when they do, then they feel like, I didn't need to do all that. <laughs> uh, now it's actually much more simple. Now that I see, now that I know, ah, it's like accessible, present, available everywhere, right? Uh, and yet, somehow, we did need that. So, blessings on our efforts. Blessings on all on all of these things that we've done, uh, and what our path, what our unique uh, path is, having its own time and own own way, own uh, own place. But being sensitive to the supports, uh, being sensitive to what is inspiring being sensitive to what is uplifting, knowing how to touch into, how to bring that forth within our bodies, our feelings, our minds, hearts, our spirit. We can say, this part is most, most important. When we understand what that is and how to do that, and wherever we are and have a body, wherever we are and there are feelings, wherever we are and have a mind, a heart, a spirit, uh, then we have the points of access. Uh, the, what is it, access to the insight, uh, access to the Dhamma, uh, access to the path. So. Never mind going even, you know, as far as around the world and back again, for being able to realize and to recognize that it's worth it. And if we can do so just sitting here on, on our seats, right here, <laughs> blessings upon us, all the more so. Uh, all the more so. Um, so i like to, uh, uh, now to... Uh, to stop uh, here in the sharing, and um, this uh, after after this, uh, I have some uh, some photos, mm. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to to show you uh, a little bit of the trip for anyone who would like to uh, to to listen to to see and uh, uh, this kind of thing. But I think. Uh, first it would be good to have a break, yes? Does that seem like it? To set up for that. To set up for that.
1: Sādhyū, 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 sādhyū.